listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, Today, as you saw in the title, I'm getting ready to deal with how to spot a false prophet, how to spot a false prophet. Um, I know there's people that don't even believe there's true prophets today, but there are, there definitely are. And, um, oh, I drank that expecting it to be Zevia and it was, <laughs> I forgot it was Lime LaCroix. That's a shocker. Um, there are true prophets today. The, the office of the prophet has not ceased as some believe, um, and you can go to the bottom. It's okay. Um, as there are true prophets, there are also false prophets and the Bible teaches, um, look at this testimony. Lydia said, Ted, you prayed a few days ago that the mass in my body would be gone. The doctor called today. It's gone. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take a minute and just thank God for that miracle because that is a miracle. Because if I remember correctly, Lydia, you were uh, waiting to hear back from the doctor uh, about whether the uh, mass was benign or cancerous. Is that, was that the case? And thank God the doctor called today and the mass is gone. Thank you, Jesus. That's a miracle. And we thank God for his miracle working power. He's the only one that can do those things. That's so wonderful. Praise God for that testimony, Lydia. Thank God. Those of you just logging on, Lydia just gave the testimony that the tumor or the mass in her body that we prayed for the other day, doctors called today, it's completely gone from her body. Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful thing. I love how God works. That's amazing. And of course, Chris, we're praying for the court case as well. That's amazing, Lydia. Thank you, Jesus. She said, I was crying. I'd be crying too. Tears of joy. That's wonderful. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for these supernatural miracles that you're performing around the world, Lord. Thank you for touching your people. Thank you for healing the Victory Tribe. Thank you for blessing us, delivering us, promoting us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for touching her, Lord. God is good. Amen. What a testimony. What a great way to start a Thursday. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank God. He's still working. Yes, he is. Today we're dealing with how to spot a false prophet. And um, I want to deal with this because uh, there are true prophets. There are false prophets. The Bible speaks of false prophets and teachers talks about prophecy. Now this happened in the old and new Testament. God rebuked some prophets, even in the old Testament and in the new Testament, we're warned about false prophets and false teachers. But some people say, well, how do you know? I mean, how can you know, um, if somebody's a false prophet, you know, one of the things that bothers me is, um, if somebody prophesies something now, I'm not talking about with, uh, you know, a fulfillment date attached to it because, 
uh, if somebody prophesies that something's going to happen and by a certain date and gives you the date and it doesn't come to pass, well, then it was wrong, obviously. But what bothers me sometimes, people prophesy and uh, they haven't given you some kind of a fulfillment date. And if that thing doesn't immediately come to pass, people jump on it. That's a false prophet. Well, do you realize that there are many times, even in the scripture, where some prophecies took time to come to pass? Every prophecy doesn't come to pass instantaneously. There are things that are prophesied well ahead of time, well ahead of time. And so it's important to uh, understand that, uh, and Ed says that mentions certain preachers false because he never teaches on sin, hell, or repentance. Well, just because you don't teach on something doesn't mean, and by the way, unless you attend Lakewood Church, all you know is the 28 minutes that they put on television. You don't know what's going on at Lakewood Church. In fact, I, I know people that attended there that said, well, he doesn't even talk about healing. Whereas if you'd attend there, he prays for the sick. He'll pray for people. So I'd be careful who you call out uh, by name because God's working through people and with people. But you can see when things are actively done wrong, when things are actively done wrong. And we're going to deal with that today because I'm going to give you some check, a, a little bit of a checklist of how you can spot a false prophet. And it's important to know if you're going to do this, it's important to know what prophecy is, what it should do and how it operates. And so I'm going to show you that. And, um, I want you to, uh, now this might seem simple to you, but it's not simple, especially in the day that we're living in. But I want you to put in the comments, there are true prophets and false prophets. I want you to put that in the comments and get that into your spirit because there are many people that would try to say to you, well, there, there are no prophets anymore. There are no prophets anymore. Sadly, even some Pentecostal denominations are warning their pastors about people who claim to be prophets, claiming that the office of the prophet doesn't really exist anymore. But that's not true. There are true prophets and there are false prophets. There were New Testament prophets, obviously. And um, just because the church is established and because we have the Bible and the, the fullness uh, of canon doesn't mean that the office of the prophet has gone away. There are true prophets and there are false prophets. And so I want you to understand it from the very top. Uh, there are both still operating in the earth today. And uh, it is important to know which one is which. It is important to know that. You don't want to follow something that a false prophet is teaching or doing. You want to know what's true and you should know what's true. And Jesus said, my sheep uh, know my voice and a stranger's they will not follow. I will say this uh, right off the top. Part of this as a, a, a mature believer, you should be able to discern by your spirit if something is from the Holy Ghost or if it's not. Uh, you should know that before I even give you the checklist. You know, there was a certain guy that was holding a revival 
in Florida and people were flocking to it. And uh, people said, why aren't you going down to that revival? Why aren't you going down to that meeting? Seems like a bunch of people are getting miracles and get healed. I didn't have to travel down there and attend those services to know that it wasn't the Holy Ghost. I turned it on. I think God TV was, was covering the revival. And this was years ago. I think God TV was covering it. I didn't have to travel down to Florida and go to that revival to be like, oh, something's up here. Something's not right. All I had to do was watch that on television for maybe three to four seconds. <laughs> and I could sense and feel that's not the Holy Ghost. That's not the Holy Ghost. Well, when you find out months and months and months and months later that behind the scenes, that man was, you know, snorting lines of cocaine and, you know, sleeping with prostitutes before he was ministering. Um, it was obvious at that point that it wasn't the Holy ghost, but it didn't take me knowing those things. And it didn't take me going down to the revival to be in it, to not know you can discern by the spirit. You have the Holy ghost living on the inside of you. And by the way, help me get the word out, share the broadcast. If you're, uh, if you're, um, watching live, I know people watch the replay. You can share the replay. Many people that are listening on the podcast, you can share the podcast on your social media. It really, I appreciate it. It really helps us. So, you know, your his sheep know his voice. You have the Holy spirit. You have the ability to discern what is God and what's not God. What is the Holy Spirit? What's not the Holy Spirit? Uh, secondly, I want to teach you this if you don't know it. Um, the, the office of the New Testament prophet is not the same as the office of the Old Testament prophet. Um, in the Old Testament, there was a major difference between those saints, what we call Old Testament saints or followers of God, and New Testament Christians. There was a major difference. Do you know what it is? The major difference was that Old Testament saints could not be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a major difference. Old Testament saints could not be filled with the permanent residency of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus explained it this way. I can't take new wine and put it into old wine skins or else they would burst. And he was talking about that, uh, receiving the Holy spirit. I can't take the Holy spirit and put it into a body. That's not yet a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's not regenerated. It would burst you. They couldn't handle the infilling of the Holy spirit in their unregenerated spirits or bodies. So yes, as Tanya said, the spirit would come upon them and they would do something for the Lord. And then the spirit would lift off of them but they didn't have a permanent residency of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And so in that same way, unless an angel appeared to a person or unless, you know, the Lord appeared or the servant of the Lord, which is another name for angels, or they, they even would sometimes see a vision or they would hear a voice. Unless something like that happened, they didn't have really the opportunity to be led by the Spirit of God. So in the Old Testament, they would depend on the prophets of God many times for their leading. Okay. This is a very important thing you need to understand in the old Testament nations, entire nations, Kings would depend on the word of the prophet because God would give the prophet, the word of the Lord. 
he would speak it to the nation of Israel or, or, or Judah, and then they would either obey or disobey, and they would either uh, fulfill God's plan or they would fall into uh, destruction and punishment. But it was all based on the word of the Lord that came through the mouth of the prophet. And so because those Old Testament people couldn't be led by the spirit of God because they weren't filled with the spirit of God, they were led by prophets. So it was like a middleman between the Holy Spirit and the average follower of God. They would be directed by prophets. Now, in the New Testament, it's different. We are not led by prophets in the New Testament. Yes, my Uncle Terry, Gina said, yes, my Uncle Terry is a prophet. My father's a prophet. Um, it's, it's important to understand prophets do exist and they are functioning. However, we, do not, we are not led by prophets in the New Testament. We are not led by prophets. We are led by the Holy Spirit. Every believer, and in fact, I want you to, it's so important that I want you to put this in um, the comments. We are not led by prophets. We are led by the Holy Spirit. We are not led by prophets. We are led by the Holy Spirit. Please write that down. Please put it in the comments section because it's vitally important. We are not led by prophets. We are led by the Holy Spirit. So for example, how does this work in practicality? Well, let me show you. If I had a prophet approach me, whether in a service or any other time and say to me, uh, you know, this is the word of the Lord unto you that this year you are to sell your home and you are to move your family to British Columbia and start a church there or, or whatever it might be. And this is the word of the Lord to you. Well, if I was just led by prophets, if this person even was a prophet, if I was led by prophets, then you better believe I would instantly sell my home and I would relocate my family to British Columbia and I would start a church there. But see, we're not led by prophets in the New Testament. We all have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Every believer does. Every believer does. And I will say this because it's something that Pentecostals don't seem to understand. Even believers that have, that have not yet been baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, they still have the Holy Spirit residing within them. The Holy Spirit, by the way, you can't be saved if you don't have the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I mean, the Holy Spirit is the one who seals your salvation. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Now, not every believer is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not every believer speaks with tongues. Not every, and it doesn't mean they can't. It just means that they aren't at this point. But it's not because God doesn't want them to be. But don't get it twisted. Every believer has the Holy Spirit living within them. We are all the temple of the Holy Ghost. Every one of us is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But we're led by the Spirit. We're not led by uh, prophets. And so here's the question. If I got that kind of a word from a prophet, the question I would have to ask myself is, why did God never 
say that to me. As my father has preached for years, God doesn't have an unlisted phone number. You can call him for yourself. So if I've got this huge life-changing word that's coming to me, that's out of the blue, that I've never sensed in my spirit ever, that I've never had a word, why did God never say it to me? Why did I never hear that leading from the Holy Spirit? See, we can be led by the Spirit. And if a prophet says something to me, or if there's even a word of prophecy, see, it doesn't take a prophet to prophesy. The gift of prophecy, every believer can operate in the gift of prophecy, but there are true prophets that stand in the office of a prophet. But if, even if a believer gave me a prophetic word, if it doesn't line up, if it doesn't confirm with my spirit, with something God's already told me, then why would I follow that word? See, I'm not led by that person. What if it wasn't, you know, here's the dangerous part. What if it wasn't a word from the Lord? What if the person was in their flesh when they said it? What if it was just something they made up to look holy in front of a group of people at a church service, right? What if they just gave me a word and it wasn't the Holy Ghost, but now I'm basing my whole life decision on some word that a person gave me that I've never had the Holy Spirit say to me one time in my entire life. That's a mistake. That's a mistake because we're not led by prophets and we're not led by prophecy. So it may not even be a prophet. As I just said, it might just be a believer operating in the gift of prophecy. But what if it's not? See, we're not led by the gift of prophecy and we're not led by prophets. We are led by the Holy Spirit. This is found in Romans chapter eight and verse 14. The Bible says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let me quote it again. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So again, I want you to get this in your spirit. We're not led by prophets or prophecy. We are led by the Holy Spirit. And so then we say to ourselves, okay, so what is, what is the purpose of prophecy? What does prophecy do in practicality? Well, go to first Corinthians uh, chapter 14. And I want to read to you what Paul said that prophecy should do for the church, for the believer, uh, for every individual that receives it or hears it. It's found in first Corinthians 14 and Paul's teaching from the context of a body of believers, a church, a local church service. And he's talking about the difference between tongues and prophecy in an assembly, a church assembly. And, uh, I'll read to you verses two and three. Now listen to this for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Now look at verse three, because we can now see what the benefits or the function or the purpose of prophecy is. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for what? For their upbuilding, their encouragement, and their consolation. This is the ESV. For their what? Upbuilding, their encouragement, and their consolation. 
I'll give it to you in another translation so that you can get it a little bit more fully defined. We'll see some other English translations of this. Let's look at the, uh, well, let's, let's look at the New Living Translation for, more, for a more uh, liberal look at this. 1 Corinthians 14.3, what, what is the purpose of prophecy? Um, the Bible says, one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. You see that? Comforts them. Okay, let me give you another one real quick. Let's take a look at the New English translation. For their strengthening, their encouragement, and their consolation or comfort. Same thing. Um, Let's do one more. Let's look at the Amplified. Amplified Bible says, one who prophesies speaks to men for their upbuilding, constructive spiritual progress and encouragement and consolation. So you see these three things for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and their comfort. So according to the apostle Paul, these three things should take place when somebody receives a true word of prophecy. It should build you up. It should edify you. So it should build you. I like what that amplified. Did you catch that? What the amplified said there? It said, um, for their upbuilding, constructive spiritual progress. I like that. For their constructive spiritual progress. Of course, God always wants us to continue progressing in the kingdom. He doesn't want, and what was Paul? Paul was irritated that churches were staying like babies, immature in the faith. He said, can we move on from the milk? Can I give you some of the meat of the word? So it is God's desire that we have a constructive spiritual progress that we're moving forward. And one of the things prophecy does will build you up. I like how Kim said it, building up, not tearing down. That's exactly right. So number one, prophecy should build your spiritual progress, should build you up. Number two, it should encourage you. It should encourage you. It should not discourage you. (laughs) I mean, my God, can we put this in the comments? Prophecy should not discourage me. Please, somebody put that in the comments. Thank God that these guys have filtered out from Facebook after 2020. Prophecy should not discourage me. We're going to deal with it. Mm. My first sip of coffee for the day. My God. Yeah, that's right, Tim, at 10.57. Mm. Prophecy should not discourage me. Do you honestly think the Holy Spirit is going to give you a word to discourage you? That's stupid. The Holy Ghost doesn't give you a word to discourage you. Paul said to encourage you. So prophecy, if you hear a word of prophecy and it discourages you, it's not from the Lord. It's not from the Lord. Prophecy should encourage you. And number three, prophecy should comfort you. It should not cause you to be in fear. It shouldn't cause you to be in anxiety. It should comfort you. That's what the Holy Ghost is saying through Paul. Prophecy should comfort and console you. It should not cause you to be panicked, full of anxiety and full of fear. That's not true prophecy. That's not true prophecy. 
And so I want you to write it in the comments. Prophecy shouldn't discourage me. I mean, it's very important, but it seems simple, but it's very important. Hallelujah. And so those three things we can see are the purpose of prophecy. Obviously we know prophecy can foretell the future. It can without question. But when the future is foretold for the believer, it should always build you up, encourage you, comfort you, build you up, encourage you, comfort you. You shouldn't hear a prophecy about the future and it caused you to go into a panic or it caused you to go into depression or cause you to go into hiding. <laughs> it's not what prophecy's for. And so we're not led by prophets, we're led by the Holy Spirit. Now I'm gonna give you this checklist. And this checklist is gonna help you. Because um, we're gonna look at, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you at least four things that are assigned to you that it's, fa- it's a false prophet. It's a false prophet. So if you haven't shared it yet, share it now because we're jumping into the, to the checklist. Here's how you can tell a false prophet. Well, I'll start with the first one since we were kind of just on it, that everything they prophesy is doom and gloom only. And there's a lot of this, the doom and gloom prophets. God didn't even do this in the old Testament. I mean, I want you to see, it's not that, it's not that there was never a correction or a rebuke. It's not that there was never a, a warning. Of course, There was, but on the other hand, after the warning would come, there would always be some sort of a, a, you know, if, but if you'll do this, but if you'll hearken to the word of the Lord, but if you'll obey, if you'll turn from your wicked ways, right? Uh, that there was always a caveat for the people hearing the prophecy. Why? Here's the question. Why was there a caveat? Why was there always something they could do to turn the doom and gloom prophecy uh, into one of uh, victory and healing and deliverance? Why? Why was there always a caveat? Because God loves his people. That's why. Because God loves his people. He doesn't want to see his people destroyed. He doesn't want to see his people lose out. He doesn't want to see his people uh, fall into error and punishment and correction. He wants us to be blessed. And so what does God do? God says, this is what will happen if you don't change your ways. So it's a word for the future, but understand there's a way out of that warning. Turn from your wicked ways, humble yourselves, right? And if you'll do that, I love that. If you'll do that. And what we saw last year was just a bunch of false prophets jumping on Facebook with a little webcam and just talking about how God's judging America, how, how God's coming against America because America's wicked and America's going down the tubes and everything that's happening is a result of God's hand. It's fire from heaven. That's what's burning California. It's, it's fire in the bodies of people. And so, you know, COVID-19, according to them, it was the judgment of God on a wicked nation and a wicked world. And that they actually are just full of, first of all, false doctrine, but doom and gloom there, there was, you didn't hear anybody, uh, that was on that side of it, speaking an encouraging word to America. 
You didn't hear. That's why, you know what the Lord told me? And I understand the original context of Isaiah chapter three. I understand it was spoken to Israel. And I'll tell you when I was reading it and uh, it, it was judgment on Judah and Jerusalem. I get all that. But uh, God was, was speaking a principled thing to his people, which obviously is true today. And as I was reading it just in my devotions, the Lord said, what I said to them in, in Isaiah 3 to, to Jerusalem and Judah, say it to my people today. And do you realize the Lord uh, had me go to every church I went to last year. And before I could preach, uh, no, this is not a replay, sissy. Before I could preach any messages, literally, the Lord said, don't preach one sermon without first delivering this message to my people. I did this all last year. And he said, tell, read them Isaiah 3, 10 and 11 and tell them this, that this is going to be the case for my people in 2020. And I read it. Tell the righteous, it will be well with them. They'll eat the fruit of their deeds, but woe to the wicked. It'll be ill with him for what his hands have dealt out shall be done to him. And I understand who that was written to. And I understand it was for Jude and Jerusalem. But let me tell you, as I was reading it, it was quickened into my spirit to give that same message to the righteous people of our generation, that it will be well with them, that, that God is watching over them, that those that had wicked plans to destroy, that what, what their hands dealt out to others would be done to them. And so I began to deal with it. But what, let me tell you something, that's a different kind of word. That's an encouraging word. That's a word that'll build you up. That's a word that'll comfort you. That's what prophecy does. And I, I heard the Lord plainly tell me to tell my people that I preached it everywhere I went and it wasn't a message. It was a, it, as, as far as a sermon, it was a message from the Lord to his people in 2020. And that's what it brings upon you. So number one, you can spot a false prophet if what they're spouting off is always just doom and gloom, doom and gloom, doom and gloom, no way out. No, no, not if you'll turn from your wicked ways, not if you'll follow the voice of the Lord, none of that. Just doom and gloom, God's judging, God's judging, God, and that's all they ever spout. It's not how prophecy operates. It's not how prophecy functions, and it's not what God wants prophecy to be used for. That's not the function of prophecy, and Paul outlined that to the church in Corinth. So number one, you clearly see it, doom and gloom only. And of course I'm using as my, uh, scripture there, first Corinthians 14, three, the three things I just read to you, it's for upbuilding, it's for encouragement, it's for comfort. And so if you don't have those elements in a prophetic word, that's a false prophecy. That's a false prophecy because God doesn't give you a discouraging word. That's not how God operates. And so keep your eyes open for that. If the words coming to you are discouraging to you, if they bring fear into your heart, it, and I don't mean a reverence and awe of God. I mean like a spirit of fear where you're afraid for the future. It's not the Holy Ghost. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So if what someone is telling you is coming from God is actually producing fear in you, it's not from God. It's not from God. That's number one. Number two, let me give you this because uh, it should be obvious, but sadly, it's not to many people. Sadly, it's not. Um, if what a prophet or someone operating in the, or sa saying they're operating in 
the gift of prophecy, if what they prophesy contradicts the written word of God, it's not a prophecy from the Lord. If anything, this is number two, if it contradicts scripture, that's number two, it contradicts scripture. If what a prophet or a believer that's operating in the gift of prophecy says to you, if it contradicts the written word of God, it is not from the Lord because the Lord is not going to contradict his own written word. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. This word is settled. This word is eternal. This word is living. It will never pass away. It's in, it's set in stone. And the Bible says that there's a curse that comes upon any person who takes away from or adds to scripture. There is a curse that comes upon anyone that takes away from or adds to scripture. It's a curse. And so if a prophetic word is adding to scripture or taking away from scripture, it is not from God. And it actually brings a curse upon itself. So you be very careful. That's th- by the way, this is why it's so important that Christians know the word of God. What's up, Myrna watching from Logan, West Virginia. It's so important that Christians know the word of God. That's why we press it so hard here, um, you know, on the, on the broadcast. We press, we, we press Bible study and Bible interpretation. The reason we talk about it all the time, it's so vital that Christians know the word of God because then you can't be led astray. Nobody can give you some word that contradicts scripture I'm like, yeah, actually that's true. I received that. No, you don't receive it. You don't receive it. And so watch out for any prophetic word that contradicts the word of God. It contradicts the word of God. It's so vitally important. And this, this will just guide you. See, this is where, this is what so many people have a hard time understanding They they don't understand the difference between old and new Testament prophecy. This is why people in other denominations reject prophecy in the, in the, in the current day, the modern day, because they make the argument that anytime a prophet prophesied something, um, it became scripture. And since we already have the fullness of scripture, prophecy is no longer needed, but that's not true. That's not true. Uh, Anna was a prophet in the new Testament and she added nothing to the canon of scripture. She didn't write a book. Her prophecies, uh, were not compiled into the book of Anna. She, she did not have her own book in the Bible. Now the Bible does speak about her, but understand something. There is still prophecy at work in the earth, but the difference is in the new Testament prophecy can be judged. And, and the Bible says that it can in first Corinthians 14. In fact, let me take you back there. So people have this big issue like, well, prophecy, anything that was prophecy in the old Testament that became scripture. Yeah, but it's not the same. It's not the same. And so, uh, 
it's very interesting that when you look at uh, New Testament prophecy, it's different in that it can be judged by those that are sitting to the side. Look at First uh, Corinthians fourteen twenty nine. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you all, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. The reason he was teaching this, because in the Corinthian church, they had mayhem in their church services. Everybody was jumping up with a word of prophecy, a word in tongues, interpretation, and it was like Babel. Everybody shouting out their word at the same time. Paul was bringing order to the chaos. That's why he was giving them instructions on an orderly worship service so that there was not confusion, but that people could be built up and encouraged and edified when they came to church. That's how it should be. But notice the Bible teaches us that the others can weigh what is said. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. And so the prophecies that go forth today, they're not considered scripture and they do need to line up with scripture. We weigh them against scripture. And if the holy word of God, um, you know, contradicts what that word that was given says, then the word is the standard and the prophecy is thrown out, which is considered a false prophecy. And so always watch if there's anybody that is contradicting the Bible with their words that they're giving. That is a sign of a false prophet. Again, let me just kind of rant for a second because I have to. It always bothers me when people are more interested in manifestations than they are in the word of God. Now I'm Pentecostal. I'm as Pentecostal as they come. I come from a Pentecostal family that's generations deep. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed of uh, speaking in tongues, the gifts of the spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders. We have them in our services. We operate in the gifts of the spirit. But one of the things that I feel is a major mistake is that when people are always just seeking a sign, seeking a wonder, seeking a manifestation, and not seeking the word of God. I can't stand being in services where preachers do not preach the word of God. It's just, they ramble or they'll just talk about things that have happened to them or whatever it might be. There's no text. They don't preach the scripture. They don't, they've got no doctrine in their spirit. They're not building the church up with the word of God, which is the premier thing. It is the premier thing. The word of God is. And so, I mean, when you read what the psalmist said, that God has magnified his word above his name, you start to get an idea of how highly the Lord values his word. If he's magnified his word above his name. I was in a service one time where a dude had the mic for an hour and a half, an hour and a half. And he never quoted one verse of scripture, never opened his Bible, never even referenced a scripture. You know, he, he never even did like, you know, like someone would say like, how many know the Bible says that, you know, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. He never even did that. 
had the microphone for an hour and a half as the preacher. It wasn't some musical act. It was a preacher. Touted himself as a pastor. Never opened his Bible. Had a room full of hungry, hurting people and never preached the Bible. It's irritating because, see, the word of God is the premier thing. And so it's dangerous. You know, Brother Hagin did a great job of teaching this. He said, you don't build your ministry on a gift. You build your ministry on the word of God. Because let me just show you something. I could name names for the sake of being kind. I won't. I could name names that you know, that you would know. These people were nationally known. Now they're nowhere. Prophets. When you, and I believe it, it comes, it, it rises up from pride. But if you build your ministry as a prophet on, you, on the gift that's in you, then what ends up happening, what do you do? See, because you don't just prophesy whenever you want to. You don't prophesy whenever you want to. In fact, if you go two, verse, two chapters back, Paul teaches that it is the Holy Spirit who decides when these gifts are in manifestation. So you can't just start prophesying at will. You can't just give a word in tongues and interpretation at will. It's the Holy Spirit who does these things. It's as the Spirit wills. So when you start hearing prophets saying, well, I can prophesy anytime I want. I can open my mouth, prophesy wherever and whenever I want to. That's pride. Because you're putting yourself on the level of the Holy Spirit and you're not the Holy Spirit. And so if you build your ministry on the gift that God gave you and just say, well, you know, I'll just start prophet in every service. I'm going to give prophetic words in every service. I'm going to prophesy and give words to the nation. If the Holy spirit didn't give you a word, you better not release a word. And I'll tell you what happens because I've watched this happen. People feel like every service, the people need them to give a prophetic word to the nation or a prophetic word to people or whatever it might be. And so they get up and feel forced to give their prophetic word. And the Holy Spirit never gave them a word. So you know what happens? The devil will accommodate you. He'll start allowing a familiar spirit to speak to you. And you'll start prophesying, quote unquote. But it'll be a familiar spirit speaking and not the Holy Spirit. And this has happened recently. And I'll tell you another thing. There was a a prophet who started doing this recently. And uh, they found out um, he was doing a New Year's Eve service and was prophesying what was going to happen in the upcoming year. They found a witch, a medium, who had her own popular YouTube channel, who does the same thing. And they found her prophecy for the year that went out before his. And they put the two videos side by side. And he was saying the same exact thing, even with some of the same verbiage that the witch was saying. And they, and people put out YouTube videos side by side, the witch and him, they were saying the same thing. Well, do you think the witch was being inspired by the Holy ghost? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's a familiar spirit. And if you step into pride, see God opposes the proud and gives more grace or favor to the humble. And so when you step into pride and start claiming, I can prophesy anytime I want, I'm a prophet. And you build your ministry on a gift rather than on the word, you're in trouble. So that's why we judge prophecy by the word of God. If it doesn't line up with God's word, we don't receive it. 
If it contradicts scripture, I don't receive it. I don't care how charismatic the person is. I don't care how well they speak. I don't care how, how it, uh, it seems or feels when they're giving the word. If it contradicts scripture, I don't care. I want you to put it in the comments like this. If it contradicts scripture, it's not for me. Put that in the, in the, in the comments. If it contradicts scripture, it's not for me. And that's number two. If it contradicts scripture, it's not for me. Um, now let me deal with number three. Go with me to second Timothy chapter four. And we're going to, we're going to deal with this. Hmm. Second Timothy chapter four. That's it. Put it in the comments. If it's not, if it contradicts scripture, it's not for me. Look now, number three, the third way you can spot a false prophet, even a false teacher is that they won't ever bring a word of correction that God gives them, but they will only ever. Now this is, I'm, I'm going to have to teach you this because this, this can be confusing if you're, if you're comparing it with the function of scripture. But remember what I said about doom and gloom or correction with on the other side, an instruction on how to be blessed or how to avoid, um, judgment, how to step into the overwhelming blessing of God. It is these false teachers and prophets who will not ever prophesy a word of correction or warning, or many times all they ever do is prophesy what people want to hear. They prophesy what people want to hear. Paul dealt with that. Listen to what he said to Timothy, second Timothy chapter four. He said in verse two, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths, wander off into myths. It's a problem. That's exactly it, Gina. And that's the verse that I'm quoting. They're wandering off into myths. And what's the story here? They're just prophesying what people want to hear. They're just prophesying what people want to hear. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten uh, up onto um, Christian TV or whatever it might be, and people just giving generic prophetic words to everybody listening or watching the program. I came to prophesy to you tonight. This is going to be your year of a double portion. Really? Every person watching with no stipulations, with no instruction to follow, this is just going to be your year of a double portion. See, that's not the case. It's not the case because I want you to, I want you to hear this from me now. Everybody that hears the word 
is not going to follow the word. In fact, when Jesus said in the parable of the sower, uh, that the sower was sowing the word, we covered it yesterday. It fell on four types of ground and on three of the four types, only 25% of the people that received the word actually produced. So even in Jesus analogy, it was only about 25% that actually produced fruit with the word they heard to get a nation of people or, or if you're worldwide, whatever it might be and prophesy, it's going to be your year of a double portion. It ain't going to be everybody's year of a double portion, because let me tell you something. There's plenty of people that are not going to listen to the word of God, obey the word of God, follow the word of God. They're just not going to do it. Yeah. That's one way to say it. Renan fortune cookie prophecies. That's exactly right. And, and they just, you know, everything that the people want to hear, I don't care what you've been doing. I don't care where you've been, what you're going through. And, and it's like the way they make it sound, it's like, yeah, you can live in total sin. You, you don't have to obey the word. And then you're going to get a year of a double portion. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And one of the ways you can spot a false prophet is that, uh, they're always prophesying to itching ears what people want to hear. They're always prophesying to itching ears, what people, what makes them clap and what makes them shout, what makes them dance. I'm not talking about the fact that they don't build up an edifying comfort. I'm talking about, uh, because understand this, it's, it's something that is, there's a difference between something that is from the Lord and something that's not from the Lord. If it truly is from the Lord, it will challenge your heart. Notice that first phrase, upbuilding. Well, what's going on with the internet today? Got like an internet demon. <laughs> but notice that first phrase. There, there's a, an, it's for upbuilding. Well, you can't be built up by prophecy if there's not an element that causes you to be built up. And we know what causes people to be built up in the kingdom. It causes them to be built up because they obey instructions. That's what builds you up. You obey the word. That's what builds you up. So when a word comes to you, if it's going to build you up, there's going to be something you have to do because it's not, it's not the same as exhortation or edification. The upbuilding, the building up of prophecy has to do as the amplified said with your own spiritual, uh, promotion or moving forward in your own spiritual content. It's different than being encouraged. It's about being promoted. And it's going to take an obedience for that promotion to come. So you can't just have fortune cookie words coming to you all the time because somebody wants you to shout and somebody wants you to clap and somebody wants you to be so happy that you, you said that word. That's not what prophets do. That's not what prophets do. Prophets prophesy what the Lord says, no matter what he says, but it's always going to be something that in the end will build you up, encourage you and comfort you. But notice, I mean, I've been in so many of these, I can't even tell you people giving prophecy just because they're looking for a powerful service where they want everybody on their feet shouting. That's not, that's not it. We don't prophesy for the applause of men. And I want you to write that in the comments. We don't prophesy for the applause of men. We prophesy in obedience to the Holy Spirit. We prophesy in obedience to the Holy Spirit. 
not for the applause of men. So understand it. Number one, doom and gloom only. Number two, won't, it won't contradict scripture. If it contradicts scripture, it's not from God. And number three, they, people that won't correct, they won't give a true word from the Lord that challenges the people of God. Prophecy should challenge you. If you're not challenged, you're not being built up. And then let me give you number four. Number four, when you see prophets prophesying for gain, prophesying for gain, this is number four. I want you to put it in the comments section. Prophets who prophesy for gain, financial gain. I'm talking about financial gain. I'm going to go to second Peter chapter two prophesying for financial gain. It's wicked. It's absolutely wicked. It's why, it's why Balaam was rebuked in the old Testament. Do you know there was a wicked King that actually came to Balaam and said, Hey, I'm going to pay you curse Israel for me, curse Judah so that we can destroy them because we know the word, the Lord's on their side. So uh, curse them. I'll pay you to by, prophesy a curse over them. Balaam was willing to take the wicked money and try to prophesy a curse over God's people. He was wicked, angered the Lord, angered the Lord. But notice this second Peter chapter two, I'm going to break this down verses one through three, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Verse three, look at this. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. Do you see that? They will exploit you. Hmm. Let me, let me just break it down. In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Let me jump over a few verses. Um, listen to this. Verse 15, forsaking the right way, they've gone astray. Still talking about these false prophets. They've gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, who I just mentioned. They followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. They are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Hmm. Think about it. This right here is a sign. Prophets who prophesy for financial gain. I've seen this plenty of times. There's people on television that do this. I watched a prophet in New York. I mean, I'm saying that because he called himself that he's not a prophet, but literally he has a call in show where you can call in and pay a certain amount of money 
for a personal prophecy. And depending on the level of the uh, amount that you sow is to the level to which he will prophesy to you. And so if you got a thousand dollars, he's got a thousand dollar word. If you got 10,000, he's got a $10,000 word for you. <laughs> Crooked. He'll go to hell for that. The Bible just said so. I just read it to you. What does the Bible say? It says that there is a place reserved for them. Where is it? Listen to this. The gloom of utter darkness that's been reserved for those false prophets. If anybody ever approaches you and tells you that you have to pay a certain amount of money to get a certain blessing that comes in the kingdom of God, there, that's false. That's false. I'm going to say it again. That's false. You don't have to pay money to receive healing. You don't have to pay money to receive deliverance. You don't have to pay money to have a prophecy given to you or to have the gifts of the spirit and manifestation in your life. God doesn't charge for those things. They came from the Holy Spirit, who's a free gift to every believer. Jesus paid for your healing with his own precious blood. Why should you pay again? Why should you pay again? I actually saw a guy on television that said, um, bless you, that said, if you'll send in a $66 seed, then you will walk in a six month healing anointing. I, I watched it. That's not secondhand information. I watched it for myself. If you will send in a $66 seed, then you'll walk in a six month healing anointing. That is demonic. That's demonic. You don't ever have to sow a seed for financial healing or for uh, physical healing ever. Jesus purchased it by his own precious blood. You don't sow a seed to reap a healing. You don't sow a seed to be delivered from depression or anxiety or suicidal thoughts or have a, a loved one delivered from demonic possession. There is no seed to sow for that. There's no seed you sow for that. There's no seed that you sow to, to receive a word from the Lord, to receive a prophetic word. Doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit manifests these gifts as he wills. And it has nothing to do with sowing a financial seed. Now, I'm going to show you why that's true from scripture. All a financial seed does for you and for me is it produces a financial harvest. It produces a financial harvest. And the Bible teaches this plainly. Now, I want to show you that, that it teaches it plainly in Galatians chapter six, because I, I want to read this to you in perfect context, perfect context. The Bible says, starting in verse one, okay? because I want you to see the context of this. 
Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Now, he changes his thought here in verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So this is talking about sharing natural things with someone who gave you spiritual things, sowing to a man or woman of God who's, who is preaching like I'm doing now. Let the one who is taught the word, of, the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Now look at this, verse seven. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for what one sows, whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Is this talking about farming? No. In context, it's talking about sowing seeds from all good things that you have with the one who teaches. This sowing is not talking about planting an apple tree and getting apple apples off of it. It's talking about a financial seed. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And so if you sow finances, guess what you're going to get back? Finances. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are in the household of faith. And we're going to give you an opportunity in a minute to sow a seed and to reap a harvest. But understand when you sow it today, it's not for a healing. It's not for a deliverance. It's not for a prophetic word. I would, there's many of you on here that watch that you've not sown seed. I still teach you every day. I don't say, well, this is a, there's a paywall. I've got a paywall here and I'm not going to teach you on this daily broadcast unless you pay to get behind the paywall and get the content. I don't do that. I freely teach you the word of God every single day, whether you sow something or whether you don't. And of course, there's many people that partner with us that are watching this as well and listening on the podcast. But understand, this word's not for financial gain. You can't give a, a, a seed or an offering for, finan- for a, a prophetic word. It doesn't work that way. So be careful. That's the, that's the thing I want to show you because this happens almost more than anything is that you've got people. I want you to, so if you'd like to receive the, the supernatural blessings of Psalm 112, then you need to sow a $112 seed today. Doesn't work that way. That's foolishness. It's pure foolishness. Doesn't work that way. First of all, Do you realize that, I mean, people are so funny because they don't even understand how the Bible was transmitted to us. You know, we didn't even have chapters and verses until the 1500s. There were no, there were no verses until Stephanus. And so there weren't chapters until a few hundred years before that. So understand something. How could the apostles have even operated like this when there were no chapters or verses? That's, you know, it's like, 
if you want to receive something from my letter, you know, it didn't work like that. It's, it's not, God doesn't operate like that. It's not the way you take hold of a, 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 a spiritual revelation by sowing a seed. It's not how you take hold of a spiritual revelation. It's discerned spiritually. It's understood spiritually. It's received spiritually. Finances is a seed that reaps finances. Whatever one sows, that's, that's what he'll reap. The same when you, when they told us when we were children, do you want to have friends? Be friendly because friendliness reaps friendship. Exactly. And that's the same principle that was being taught to the Corinthians, Linan, first Corinthians nine 11. If we sowed spiritual things into you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Because that's the pattern. That's what he told the Galatians. It's what he told the Corinthians. That if someone is teaching you, if somebody is imparting spiritual truths to you, then you should sow a financial seed. That was the pattern of the apostles. And it's what the Holy Spirit inspired the churches to hear. But if you've got a prophet telling you you can't have a prophetic word unless you pay for it, it's demonic. That's manipulative. It's demonic. And God rebuked it through uh, the apostle Peter. And he rebuked uh, many, you know, you, you go back, look at it, uh, Elisha's servant, Gehazi. That's what he did. He went after the money from Naaman, caused him to get leprosy. He never became the prophet that was the successor to Elisha. He ended in leprosy. He ended in shame. And we never hear from him again. Why? Because his desire for gain as a prophet. And I'm telling you, it's a sign of a false prophet and you've got to be careful. That doesn't mean the message of prosperity. That's not what I'm teaching. I'm talking about people that charge you seed money for a prophetic word. It doesn't function that way. And so you can understand if you go back, you see, well, what will, what will a true prophet do? A true prophet will never charge you for prophecy. A true prophet will never contradict scripture. A true prophet Uh, will bring correction and challenge your spirit and have you step up to another level. And a true prophet, even if they give a warning about the future, and even if they give warnings about what's to come, it will always be for the believer a caveat of, but if we'll do this, God will bring us through, deliver us, keep us from that. You see what I mean? And the prophecies will have fruit. I mean, you'll see the prophecies come to pass. Can't tell you how many times my father's prophesied. I've seen it come to pass. My uncle Terry's prophesied. I've seen it come to pass. Even Bishop began to prophesy. He was this, this last year on new year's Eve, people didn't even know what was going on. They couldn't understand what he meant when he said it, but it was a word from the Lord. And he spoke to us last new year's Eve, not 2021, but, but in the 2019 new year's Eve, when he was prophesying about 2020, you know what he said as, as he was prophesying everything that was going on. He said, but when we get to March and all hell breaks loose, don't come off your word. Well, people are like, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean when, when prophecy, when he prophesied, when you get to March and all hell breaks loose? Well, nobody knew the pandemic was coming, but the Lord knew. Nobody knew the lockdown was going to happen. The Lord knew. And he told us that by March, well, when did it break out? In March, I was in the middle of a revival in Detroit. And in March, it broke out just as Bishop prophesied that it would. All hell breaks loose. And it did. And he said, don't you worry. And every person that I've seen that stayed in the spirit, that did what the Lord wanted through that time, every one of them increased through the pandemic. Every one of them. 
Every one of them through the lockdown increased. It's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Prophecy has fruit. Prophecies have fruit. And that's how you know. That's how you know. You need to spot it because there's a lot, especially with social media and especially with people being more free than they've ever been. (laughs) There's people that'll catch you in the lobby. There's people that'll catch you in the bathroom. We got hallway prophets and bathroom prophets and lobby prophets and parking lot prophets ready to give you a word from the Lord. You better guard yourself and know the word and know how to spot. Did the Lord ever say this to me? Has the Lord ever spoken this to my spirit ever? If not, why didn't he? Maybe because it's not from him. I'll finish with this story. You remember, if you've ever heard my father tell it, first time he got to Bible school, a girl came up to him in the courtyard of the school and basically just told him, like it was a prophetic word, the Lord spoke to me, told me that you're supposed to marry me and be my husband. I mean, that was, she gave my father that word. My father said, there's nobody that's ugly, but she was very close. (laughs) And she gave him the word and he's sitting there thinking like, how do I respond to this? How do I respond to this? And the Lord gave him the perfect response. And he said, when the Lord tells me, then I'll tell you. When the Lord tells me, then I'll tell you. And he went down to play basketball. And when he was coming back up after a couple of hours, He saw that same girl that had one of his friends backed up against the wall in the courtyard. And he could hear her from a distance saying the same thing to his friend that she said to him. The Lord told me that you're supposed to marry me and be my, be my husband. Well, obviously she, she didn't have any words from the Lord. She was just looking for a husband. And so you got to be careful because there's people that'll prophesy money out of your pocket, prophesy favors out of you prophesy things. It's manipulation. It's not from the Lord. And so you've got to, got to be led by the spirit, not led by prophecy, not led by prophets, led by the spirit of God. Now I'm praying for you this way today, because we're here in these final six months of 2021. It's going to take a true and pure leading from the Holy spirit but God has massive blessings. I like the way Dr. Rodney has been saying it recently, heaps. God's got heaps upon heaps of blessings that are stored up and ready for us. I'm not going to miss out. I know you don't have any desire to miss out. And so we're going to declare that we're going to receive those things this year, but the way we're going to do it is by being led by the Holy Spirit. Now you may get a prophetic word this year, weigh it receive it. Don't reject it. Don't despise prophecies. The Bible says, don't despise prophecies, receive them and then weigh them against the Holy spirit and the word of God. And so what, what are we praying? I'm praying that in these final six months that we have such a leading from the Holy spirit, that we clearly hear his voice, that we will not miss out on what God has planned for 2021 and specifically for the last half of 2021. (laughs) Hallelujah. My wife gave me another giving report this morning. It's blowing my mind what the Lord is allowing us to sow in this year of 2021. 
We just finished halfway. And the, I mean, she gave me the, the report this morning. It blew my mind, blew my mind far more than we've ever given in a 12 month period, far more. <laughs> it's, it's mind blowing. God increases you when you follow his leading. And so my prayer for you today, as I get ready to pray, I'm going to pray for those of you that need miracles like Lydia did, but I'm going to pray that your spirit man is open and receptive and that you will be clearly led by the Holy ghost into the blessing God has planned and prepared for you. Father, we come to you in Jesus name. We're so thankful that you sent us the Holy spirit. We thank you that we have access to the spirit of God who lives in us. Thank you that we are the temple of the Holy ghost. Today we're praying and asking you, let us that have ears to hear clearly hear what the spirit is saying to us. Don't let us miss our instructions for the last half of 2021. Let us clearly hear what you've got planned for us and let us be led by your spirit. And we thank you that your word declares that you always lead us into profit. You lead us in the way we should go. If the Lord's our shepherd will not want or lack for any good thing. You always lead us into better. You always lead us into promotion. And so Lord, whatever it is that was holding people back from hearing your voice, let that be removed from their way. Whatever's blocking, whatever's hindering, whatever's an obstacle to hearing your voice, let it be moved out of the way today and let us clearly hear you as you're speaking to us and we'll obey you and we'll move forward into increase. We will see the blessings of heaven manifested in Jesus' wonderful name. We thank you and we give you glory and we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I told you a minute ago, we were going to give you an opportunity to sow that seed. I'm ministering to you daily, spiritual things. And the Bible says the response is partnership. It is uh, sowing financial seed. And I want to say thanks to, to our partners because we love and appreciate you and we pray for you. Uh, and I want to tell you something that we're getting ready to do right now because we're making this shift is that we're getting ready to add 39 million more people to our television broadcast, 39 million. We're going to cover every Island now in the Caribbean. We're already, we've been on, on the entire Island of Jamaica, but now we're covering the entire, uh, Caribbean. Every Island is going to be covered 39 million people. That's more people than live in Canada. Canada has about 35 million and the islands have 39 million. We're adding those on and the gospel will be preached. Do you know our phones blow up? Tiffany was sending me the other day. She said, you know, I always know when our program's airing on television because my phone starts blowing up with salvations and mine too. That's what happens on my phone. We have it even set up so that as people uh, receive Christ, they fill out the form. We get to follow up on them immediately. We get to begin to disciple them immediately. This is good ground. We're not making converts. We're making disciples. And so I want to encourage you, would you stand with us in this new uh, level? Would you stand with us in this new level as we're expanding to 39 million uh, more people that will hear the gospel on a weekly basis and be saved? If you're willing to be a part of the Victory Tribe in that way, go to MiracleWord.com and partner with us today. What can you do today in partnership that will make a difference in the world before Jesus comes. Can I tell you, he's coming soon. Jesus is coming soon and we've got to get to work. 
I love what he said to his disciples 2000 years ago. He said, we've got to work the works of him while it's yet day for the night comes where no man can work. That's a time sensitive offer. And so we got to get to work. And so that's what we're doing. 39 million more people about to be added. I want you to stand with us. Go to miracleword.com, click on the partner page. What can you do to partner with this ministry? Of course, if you're sowing a one-time seed today, you can do that on the website with your credit or debit card. You can do it with any of the digital platforms, PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, hashtag donate, Zelle, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, And we say thank you for doing it. Again, if you're just uh, tuning in this month and you didn't know, uh, we're, we're sending you as my gift to you the book by Dr. John G. Lake on healing, where he teaches and talks about the subject of healing, which was the focus of the majority of his ministry. He was a miracle man and, uh, and saw this regularly. A hundred thousand documented miracles in 10 years in Spokane, Washington. And uh, this will be a great book. It'll encourage you. If you'd like to claim it after you've sowed your seed, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And um, we appreciate it. We'll get it out to you. And listen, we've been praying and believing and, and God's answering our prayers. There are people that have stood up to sow at a large level. Some over $1,000, some over $5,000, some 10000 15000 There are people that are doing big things. When was the last time you took a big step for the kingdom of God? When was the last time? Thank you, Kim. When was the last time you took a big step for the kingdom of God and said, you know what? I'm going to break out, take a step of faith and do what the Lord's asking me to do. There's people that are watching me and listening to me that you could sow a large seed to do this work and to see people changed by the power of God. And of course, your harvest is coming back to you. Obviously, when we send you a book in the mail or we send you the elite study collection or we send you the life application study Bible, that's not a harvest. That's just our gift, a way to say thank you. Let you know that we acknowledge that you're standing with this ministry and we appreciate you. Your harvest is coming from the Lord. And so there are people that are watching. You can sow largely. And I want to encourage you, take a step of faith that you've never taken and sow something that means something and watch what God will do. He'll bless you abundantly. It'll break you to the next level of increase. Did for me and my wife and it continues to. Uh, I want to say that coming up next week, starting on Sunday, we will be in Roxborough, North Carolina. The tent is already up. And um, we have a a tent meeting that's going from Sunday through Friday. All the details are at miracleword.com. You can check it out. We'd love to have you be with us in person. Uh, It's going to be awesome. Uh, So Roxborough, North Carolina. And then we're coming to uh, Tomball, Texas, the week after. And we would love to see you in Texas if you're anywhere close. Have a wonderful and a powerful day. I love you so much. Don't forget tomorrow, we got two broadcasts. I'll be back with you in the morning. Carolyn's back with Friday Favorites in the afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Love you so much. Thanks for sewing. Thanks for standing with me. I'll see you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.